Good morning. It is Wednesday, October 21st. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined today by my friend Kevin Boylard over at CBS Sports, where he covers the NFL. Kevin, it's good to see you. Good to talk to you. We've had you on once before uh, to preview the season, preview the college stars who needed to have a good one. And now I've got you back to talk about quarterbacks and when we were talking about what we needed to to run through on the show. Trevor Lawrence and teams tanking for him was top of mind. But before we jumped on, a little breaking news down in Miami where Tua Tungo-Vailoa is named the starter over Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I want to get your take on that because it's a little bit surprising that the former Alabama star is now going to be the guy with the fins at 3-3. Three and three. It is surprising. As you mentioned, the Dolphins 3-3, three and three, they're still very much in the AFC East hunt. They're only a game behind the Buffalo Bills, who fell to the Kansas City Chiefs last week. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing really well. He's got a career-high completion percentage, around 70% right now. And he really had the team geared in a upward-trending direction, or so it seems. So we did see Tua's first action last week in garbage time against the Jets, but I think that that might have been all Brian Flores and company needed to see. And I'm sure they've seen a lot out of him in practice. And once they saw him on the field in a game, it was you know only a matter of time before he got that starting job. The question is, moving forward, does this make the Dolphins a contender and leapfrog them to the top of the AFC East? Or is it going to be a learning year for Tua and the Dolphins kind of sink, per- stay behind the Bills and potentially sink below the Patriots? I wonder if they saw what Justin Herbert Herbert was doing in L.A. and Joe Burrow, of course, is doing so well in Cincinnati. And it's got a little bit itchy to turn the franchise over to their number five overall pick. I, you break out the AFC race. It is like it It could be pretty fun to get to in a playoff race because like last week, the, the Patriots lost to the Broncos and the Bills are are sort of free falling with two straight losses. I think that could be so much fun for the NFL but I understand if I'm Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, I, if I was him, I'd, I'd be a little bit miffed. He said from the beginning that he was going to be to his biggest cheerleader. And that AFC East race is going to be something that could work into his favor. Cause you've mentioned Herbert is playing really well. Burroughs playing well in Cincinnati, but neither one of them has been able to get wins. Herbert we've seen really poor luck. Hasn't been able to get a win. Uh, at least Burrow has one win under his belt. Um, Tua is playing for a Dolphins team that is potentially on the rise, and he could take over that offensive rookie of the year uh, front runner position that, because right now it's kind of fluctuating between Burrow and Herbert. Uh, we're waiting to see if either of those, te- those guys are going to get their team on the right track. It seems to me right now that Tua might be in the best position of the three to at least get some wins, and we've seen when he's healthy – the way he performs, he's an extreme talent. I think he was a better arm talent and athlete than either Herbert or Burrow. So if he's healthy and making plays, I think he could easily, even though he didn't start the first five, six weeks of the season, could leapfrog them in the Offensive Rookie of the Year award. Yeah, last year the Dolphins were said to be tanking for Tua, which would have meant the number one overall pick. They still got him at five. Like Speaking of tanking for Tua, it's one of your most viral videos yet, Kevin. You went on Twitter last year and – and you did you call out the Dolphins for tanking essentially like like excessively tanking like trading Minka and and all that stuff? I did. Yeah, they traded Laramie Tunsil. They traded Minka Fitzpatrick. My point was more geared towards the fans who root for their team to lose. And I was 
definitely trying to stir stuff up and say that, you know, teams shouldn't purposely lose games. Um, and now whether that's literally the coach of the locker room saying we're trying to lose this game so we get the number one pick, which I want to be clear, don't think that exists. What I do think exists is uh, general managers and front offices of teams, maybe not acting in the best interest interest of the current players on the team, not setting the team up uh, for success in the here, in the now, but l- instead looking towards the future. At 0-6, do you think the New York Jets are trying to tank for Trevor Lawrence, the Clemson quarterback, or do you think they are just way worse than we thought they would be? They're certainly not looking at all competitive. I definitely think they're way worse than we thought they'd be, but they had opt-outs before the season. They had a trade of Jamal Adams uh, to the Seahawks where they were starting to collect first-round picks. So maybe the gears were put in place before the season, but it wasn't to the level of the tank job that we thought we were seeing from the Jaguars, for example, during the offseason. This Jets tank job, if that is what is going on, is next level. And it's also interesting to see that those two teams that I just mentioned haven't fired their head coaches. Adam Gaze and Doug Marone, if you look at the Vegas odds, are the top two guys each week in terms of most likely to be fired. And yet here we are heading into week seven. Both coaches have their jobs. You have to wonder if those franchises are set up in a way that we don't care if you don't win this year. You know, in fact, it might be better if you don't because then we're going to be in line to get who I believe is the best quarterback talent prospect, uh, you know, in at least 10 years in Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Everyone evokes Andrew Luck. This guy might be more of a no brainer than him as, and we're, of course we're setting this all up to, to eventually land on why as a college football fan, I would be terrified of the jets drafting Trevor Lawrence, but I don't want to get there quite yet. Cause I I do want to talk about the race for tanking. So the jets are the only winless team. Kevin, like regardless of whether if you think they're going to win out or not or, or win again or lose out, like the Giants are in the mix. They're one in five as a Giants fan. I wonder if you were rooting for them to lose to the to, to the Washington last week. The, the Jags are in there at one in five. Washington's one in five. The Falcons are one in five. Trevor's from Georgia. All of those teams would probably draft him, right? Like even even Daniel Jones as a Giant, if you have a chance to draft Trevor Lawrence, Kevin, I'm, I'm hoping you would you would take him. Me personally, this is the way I've been putting it as a Giants fan. I really like Daniel Jones, but I love Trevor Lawrence. I, I would, if I were the general manager of a team, I would want to build my team, regardless of the pieces I have around Trevor Lawrence. I also understand though, if you are the Jets or if you are the Giants and you just recently drafted a quarterback with a top pick within the last couple of years, why you may be looking to trade out of that first overall pick. Think about it. We just mentioned how huge of a prospect Trevor Lawrence is. You could get an unbelievable uh, pull, unbelievable trade package from a team that's really desperate to get that guy to move up into the number one spot. And if you already have that quarterback in Sam Darnold or in the Giants case, Daniel Jones, you could get a plethora of picks to build around the guy that you've already have who's in your system. Uh, and that's just a matter of preference when it comes down to the GM and the ownership. Uh, some teams like we saw with the Arizona Cardinals a couple of years back were easy, 
and and quick to realize the error in their ways, move on from Josh Rosen and take Kyler Murray with that first overall pick. They could have done that. They could have used, you know, Kyler Murray was a coveted guy. They could have traded out of that pick. The Raiders are one who I bet would have and probably did offer a package to get up to number one that year. And um, instead they took Kyler Murray with the pick, but it, it's something that definitely a lot of GMs around the league are going to consider. And it's going to be a tough call. What would, what, what do you think it would take? Like if, if the Raiders, John Gruden loves his Alabama and his former Clemson players, like if we're talking multiple first round picks here. Oh, absolutely. I, I would think probably in the, in the, in the range of three first round picks to start. I mean, we've seen defensive players go for two first round picks. That's nothing like what Trevor Lawrence can bring to a franchise. So it's going to start with three first round picks um, and then probably some more, probably a star player involved as well. So uh, it would be a total rebuild for whichever team does make the move up to number one to get them. Uh, if that's in fact, what it comes down to. So I'm terrified of how how Trevor Lawrence's career in the NFL could go if the Jets took him. I mean, they they are horrible. I was looking at their depth chart this morning, Kevin. Like they don't have anybody. Um, Joe Burrow, when he was going to get drafted by Cincinnati, I remember people saying, "Should he pull an Eli Manning and, and say he doesn't want to be there?" But like they they have some receivers. They have Joe Mixon. They're they're clearly going to be all right. The Cardinals were. They won a few games when they had the number one pick. Like they had some infrastructure that that Kyler Murray is now succeeding upon. The Browns were the last winless team. Baker Mayfield isn't nearly as good as Trevor Lawrence, but they've surrounded him with talent. And I think something's still kind of wrong with that franchise. If you're Trevor Lawrence, are you really, really worried about the possibility of playing in New York? Well, if I'm Trevor Lawrence or I'm a Trevor Lawrence fan, you got to be aware that really any team that's picking first overall is not usually going to be the best run franchise. There's a reason why the New England Patriots never pick first overall. And there's a lot of, you know, you look at Lamar Jackson with the Baltimore Ravens, who was picked with the last pick in the first round a few years back. And he's had some of the most success in the NFL you know, not because he was the most talented quarterback coming out of that draft class, but because he landed in the best situation with the best coach that put him in an offense built around him. And they had the ability to do that. So I think if you're Trevor Lawrence or you're a Trevor Lawrence fan, you're almost rooting for one of these New York teams uh, to get in there because I know no one really wants to, to see like Trevor Lawrence on this current iteration of the jets and, and how bad that could potentially be. But maybe they're, you know, maybe they are in the position that I just described where they end up trading the the pick because they already have the quarterback and he ends up going to maybe a slightly better uh, than than the worst team in the league or at least the worst team in the league in 2020. Um, it's all up in the air, obviously, at this point, only heading into week seven. Um, but I think that when you're a talent that's that good, you shouldn't be afraid to go anywhere. You should be wet, ready and willing to play. I love the way Joe Burrow handled it last offseason. Everyone wanted him to at least create the air of speculation that he would not play for the Bengals or would not accept being drafted there. And from the start, 
every time he was asked, he said he would play wherever he want, uh, wherever he he was drafted. I know it's worked out for guys in the past, like Eli Manning, John Elway. I think those are really rare instances, and I, I admire a guy who's not afraid to go anywhere and, and lift a franchise from the absolute depths and uh, potentially bring them to the top. What would be the temperature now if someone did pull an Eli? Obviously, it would create you know it would create the narrative around the player. And I don't think Eli ever fully escaped that narrative, to be completely honest. I think there are people that always disliked. When you look at how well-liked Peyton Manning was, there's always that level of dislike for Eli Manning, or at least his haters or his detractors always existed. And I think if you pull that kind of move, uh, you're going to have to live with those haters or detractors for the rest of your career, at least from the organization and the fan base that you spurned. Um, so I, I think that you end up probably making more enemies than 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 friends doing that. And uh, it, it's probably not worth it unless you have clear, you know, factual evidence that this team is not going to be capable to, you know, turn it around within the next couple of years. I mean, the Jets went seven and nine last year. Hmm. So it's not like they are at the bottom of the league every single year, the worst team ever. You can never win with the Jets. Uh, Yeah, they've been kind of locked under the Patriots all year or or, or for the entirety of um, the Bill Belichick era in, in New England and the AFC East. But overall, uh, there are, I think, worse franchises you could end up at than the Jets. Hmm. Real, I don't know. Right now, it just feels it just feels like they're they're so toxic. Um, but you make a good point. If I'm Trevor Lawrence and I, gosh, if you spurn the Jets, you got a lot of New York media mad at you. Um, I'm just gonna. I mean, would he be better off in Washington or Jacksonville? I would kind of be rooting for New York. At least you get the exposure there. Yeah, you would. What do you think the Jets are going to have to do in the coaching market this offseason? That's an interesting one because the way that they're handling this, it seems as though they're committed to Adam Gaze despite the team's struggles. So I don't see really any way how Adam Gaze keeps his job because he's become a meme. Uh, yeah. you know, from his opening press conference with the eyes, and he never has been able to turn the corner since then. Um, I, I think that he's He's probably not the guy for the job. Uh, you know, once you're you you lose the locker room, you lose the respect of the media. Um, it's really hard to turn that around. So uh, I think that uh, they're going to have to find that perfect pairing if they are in fact going and gunning for Trevor Lawrence. The way the Cardinals went out and got Cliff Kingsbury for Kyler Murray. Uh, I don't know who that guy is off the top of my head to, for, for the Jets to be targeting, um, but there's plenty of young offensive minds out there. Uh, one that I've seen floated uh, uh, talking about the Atlanta Falcons opening is Joe Brady already, who's the offensive coordinator uh, for the Carolina Panthers right now, but famously, uh, you know, the offensive mastermind behind LSU's offensive uh, offensive explosion a couple of seasons ago, last season. 
So I think that he's going to be a name that if not this year, you're going to hear about him in the head coaching market very soon, especially with the way Carolina has broken out this year. One more question for you. I think college football fans will be interested in this too. Trevor Lawrence, we regard him as a once in a generation quarterback prospect. So whoever gets the number one pick is probably going to take him, even if they have Matt Ryan or Daniel Jones. And I think, you know, Sam Darnold would get shipped out of town too. But Kevin, if, if the Giants get the third pick or if the, the Broncos get the third pick or somebody um, and you say, all right, Panay Sewell, he's going off the board at number two, the Oregon offensive tackle. Is Justin Fields or a Trey Lance regarded in the NFL circles right now as elite enough to pull, pull the cord on, on Daniel Jones or, or Drew Locke? I think, I think Washington's not in this calculus here because they already have, have ended things pretty much with Dwayne Haskins. But would someone else in the top five, a Matt Ryan, would the Falcons, you know, punt him for Justin Fields? Justin Fields is an intriguing candidate for me. I definitely want to see him play. I'm excited for Big Ten football to start. And I don't think he has the same draw, or nearly the same draw that Trevor Lawrence does. And there was a point last year when Trevor Lawrence was going through that interception thing and and you know, Clemson people weren't all in on the Clemson train uh, where people were wondering whether Justin Fields was just as good or perhaps the better quarterback. I, as unfair as it is, I think that people are going to be scared away from Justin Fields because of Dwayne Haskins and because of the history of Ohio state quarterbacks, not working out in the NFL. Um, It stinks because I think he is a completely different prospect and a very good quarterback, but I think he ends up going top five, top 10 in the draft next year, but you know, will he be a guy that, you know, Atlanta, for example, as you mentioned, like dumps Matt Ryan for, I'm not so sure. Kevin Boylard, follow him on Twitter at Kevin Boylard. He is one of the best follows out there. Always doing viral engaging things. His, um, TikTok dreams spoof uh, about the New York jets in which he crashes on a skateboard got 600,000 views. I think I remember when you thought about buying that skateboard, Kevin. So we, we always love, yeah. <laughs> we always love having you on, man. Uh, and it's fun to see you do cool things up at CBS sports uh, for our producer, Tony Levitt. I'm Trey Scott. We'll talk to y'all next time on the college football daily.